Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Big C Church Podcast. I hope you're doing well. We are in the middle of a series on evangelicalism, what it is, who gets to decide, different perspectives of that. And so um, I am very happy to have as my guest today, I will call her a friend first, Meredith Hoxie Scholl. Um, Meredith is, her formal role is Director of Doctoral Studies at the Theological School at Drew University in New Jersey. Um, so I got to know her first, actually, we are counterparts, I guess, or um, I, I think you're colleagues if you work together, but functionally, we're, we're, we're both Doctor of Ministry leaders, educators, um, um, but both have ministry experience before that. And so we connected on some of our demon educators networks, which are actually more fun than people would think. Isn't that right, Meredith? Most of the time, we have I a agree. good time. We have a good time. I tell people yeah. we go to the Demon Educators Conference and people look at me like, oh, how awful. I say, it's really it's really fun. Good people on that. And Meredith is um, a North Carolinian, so she's a Tar Heel. So, of course, we bonded over. Uh, Wait, you're not a Tar Heel. You're a Dookie. What are you? No. Tar Heel State, I will claim, okay. but I actually, my parents went to NC State. Oh, so Mary I was Wolf, that's right. Yes, that's right. Not a Tar Heel. That's right. Well, you are right. You are by birth in the state, but not yes. by, yes, that's right. Okay. This is very important in the state, actually. Very important. Very important. So um, we had found we had a lot of mutual connections um, and enjoy a friendship outside our professional uh, connections. So Meredith, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so, and I told you I'd dive right into this uh, question. Um, are you an evangelical? I would say that I am an evangelical uh, in the sense in the sense that I believe that uh, the gospel is good news. Um, that's the way I have I have um, understood that phrase uh, for a long time. I've I've been on a journey. I think we'll we'll talk some about that. Yeah. But I I think that um, I think that I I believe that the gospel is good news. I want to help others understand what that means. Uh, and so in that regard, I would consider myself an evangelical, though I would say uh, the way that that story has been told, uh, maybe not, uh, I might not be accepted fully uh, <laughs> with that label or definition, yeah. but but yeah, I, I believe that the gospel of Jesus is good news. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah. great. Um, so, you know, we've, um, there's certainly an understanding there's evangelical and on this podcast we're you know, different episodes in the series. What do we mean by that? It's a loaded term. Um, yeah. and, and so it has very different meanings. And I think in another interview, I, I say, when people ask me, I go, what do you mean by that? And I yeah. would say like you, if we mean, uh, you know, the gospel or good news and people of the good news. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But then there's so many other definitions and understandings. And then there's an ism with, evangelical yes. right yes. so so tell me how you relate to all that and intertwine your story just go let's let's talk about your story and how this has how you've come to say i'm a little surprised that you said yes i am but by that definition, I can yeah. yeah 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 well i think i think that that's part of that's part of my story so um you know you and i had talked when i when i first said like are you sure you want me on this podcast yeah. um <laughs> yeah. i I am, so I am, I'm a United Methodist. I'm ordained in the United Methodist church. Um, and I, my grew up United Methodist. I have a great, great grandfather who helped, 
like uh, with the establishment of Lake Junaluska, which is oh, yeah. a of this like yeah yeah so like the big uh, George R. Stewart Auditorium. Uh, George R. Stewart is in my family, oh, so wow. I, I come from this sort of lineage of now. And George R. Though you know, I mean, you talk about the old school Methodist, like he was all about some zeal yeah. and some, but but held intention. I think um, Lake Junaluska historically and some of the early particularly youth movements that came out of that mm -hmm. were they were aimed at sort of this social transformation, sort of trying to understand how we as Wesleyan um, folks hold together this personal and social holiness that we talk about. Yeah. Um, so for me, as a United Methodist, I grew up never really disassociating um, my sort of my faith life from my sort of social engagement, how I am in the world, how I am to respond to the ways I perceive injustice in the world. Um, those things felt very intertwined. I, as, as a youth, um, was involved in a conference youth event where we would write legislation um, and we would wow. tell people what we thought about, you know, um, boycotts on Disney World or, you know, what, like whatever it was as I was growing up. Um, and so those are things were always intertwined for me. Um, I went to college uh, at a state school uh, in North Carolina, UNCW. Um, and I, there was no Wesleyan, there was no Methodist fellowship group. There was no Wesley Foundation or anything along those lines. And so being a good Christian kid who literally like opened up the phone book to find churches when I got to college, um, I I found InterVarsity. Uh, it was one of the first places they were at a they had a table yeah, um, sure. at Welcome one of the Welcome Week or NSO. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So I I was like, okay, sure. Um, got got very plugged in uh, very quickly. Um, eventually became large group coordinator and ultimately um, the president in my senior year of my chapter. Oh, wow. um, uh, and, and really, um, uh, you know, I don't know that I had the, the sort of theological language at the time to think about what was different, um, in that, in that setting versus sort of what I'd grown up in. But I knew that things like, um, personal reflection on scripture and small group, weekly small groups and, um, corporate worship were, were things that I, I valued and I learned a lot about, and my faith deepened, um, in a, in a really important way. Um, uh, I, I think that for me, the, the wheels started to fall off a little bit on that. I actually, um, uh, had accepted a position to go on staff with InterVarsity. I was going to specifically do some um, ministry with uh, Greek IV, which yep. was a sort of segment of to, that was working with um, uh, fraternity and sorority students. Um, and uh, just for a number of reasons, uh, began to have these interactions in my broader life with um, uh, other folks that I'd grown up with in the church and sort of as I tapped into sort of my inner <laughs> sense of calling, um, had some real dissonance, um, specifically around some of the policies about um, uh, women in positions of leadership, yeah. um, and um, and also around issues of uh, inclusion of LGBTQ folks. Yeah. Those were the two things I felt like university taught me really well how to do racial reconciliation, and I had some of some of my first sort of encounters with understanding. 
um, my own whiteness and what that means in the world um, there, but I did not feel that I, my sense of calling as somebody who felt called to be ordained one, one day yeah. um, was truly affirmed. And I also saw the gifts um, and uh, abilities of some of my siblings um, cast aside um, or not, not seen in their full, for their, for their full giftedness as a result of that. So those things um, and a series of conversations led me to step away from that, um, to, from, from that staff position. Um, and uh, from there uh, I did, I had, I went into my, my early twenties, I refer to as my sort of like um, my like Nineveh dodging years. Oh, uh, I hit the snooze button on that kind of call um, into ministry for quite some time um, until ultimately I did, there's, you know, a whole, a whole big thing there, but I did ultimately decide that seminary um, was where I wanted to be and went to um, uh, Boston University School of Theology, where I did my master's. Um, and it was there where I did my field education at the United Methodist Church's General Board of Church and Society, wow. where I was um, doing faith-based advocacy around healthcare reform the summer that that was um, going through. Um, and that for me concretized this sort of sense that I needed to be this was a way that I was caring for the least of these yeah. um, with the skills that I had um, and the the way that I saw God's mission in the world um, coming into being. So, but it definitely crossed some political, you know, I, I, I have family in North Carolina, some of whom did not see what I was doing as uh, ministry. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, um, and so I, you know, I, that, but that's been, that was my journey. Um, and I, after, after seminary, I went to work for the United Methodist church at the sort of global level, um, for the board mm -hmm. that thinks about world service funds and how those get spent and how we're doing connectionalism globally, um, before finishing up my, my PhD and ending up yeah. here, um, yeah. at Drew. So that's a, I don't know if that's a long or a short snapshot, but that, that gives you a little sense of sort of how I understand where I came from, yeah. my sort of dip into what I think is uh, legibly evangelical, yeah. and and sort of my my journey on the other side. Well, so, so and um, so legibly evangelical. Tell me what you mean by that. I'm really intrigued. Yeah. So I would say like that's why like when you said you were surprised, yeah, right? Yeah. So I've I've been I've I feel like um, I have a number of folks who have been influential in my life who have sort of claimed either that progressive evangelical yeah. or that kind of like um, the, the evangelical left sort of yeah. um, uh, momentum that I'm not sure ever, you know, um, went anywhere. But a lot of what I what I read in seminary, a lot of my own dissertation and work really has been around that kind of um, social gospel movement, sort of things coming out of out of that space. Um, and so it's never I've never held those as Right. The the evangelical liberal divide was not concretized in my mind yeah. until much later. Yeah. Um, so but I would say legible evangelical would be um, for me that the you know, my encounters with university, the the ways in which I was formed um, to read scripture, to participate in kind of this parachurch uh -huh. um, ministry. A lot of, the, you know, as somebody who does 
Christian formation, Christian education, faith formation. I look back at that as sort of a time when um, there was a lot being poured into me yeah. about how to do that work, um, how to how to be formed yeah. um, so that I would be recognized as as evangelical. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, and that's why I say I think now, while I while I hold some of while I hold my definition of people of good news to be yeah. very much how I would describe myself. Yeah. I don't know that my work and my my public professions are are legibly evangelical. Yes, yeah, I, I, that's a great phrase. Um, when you were going through that, um, feeling some um, uh, uh, disconnect or just you know you're saying okay, um, some things in the campus ministry and within that legible evangelicalism uh, were very much a fit for you, and then other parts you're going, eh, this is this disconnect there. Um, do you feel like you left legible evangelicalism or were you at any point kicked out or incurred? Like what, what was the, that form of evangelical? Cause I think we're using a big umbrella in the way you understand. Yeah. And then, but then there's all these people start to drawing and I, people who aren't seeing this on video can't see I'm drawing circles with my hand. But so, so, you know, people keep going, some people have very narrow definitions of evangelical, you know, and others yeah. people have this very broad, but so did you feel people drawing lines in your family or the things you were involved with, or is it more your own identity and going, no, I just understand it differently? Um, I, I think it started with my own identity and work in that I just began to feel a tension between kind of what I, what I believed and how to, how to hold that in a space um, a space that had been so helpful and formative yeah. for me. Right. Yeah. So, um, one, so there were two, two instances. One, I was worshiping. Um, so all the university folks went to a particular church, um, which was not United Methodist. Yeah. And I had been worshiping there, um, and noticed that they had no women in leadership. Yeah. And as a legitimately honest question, reached out to the senior pastor who, with whom I'd had many conversations as the large group coordinator of university, because yeah, yeah. they would always come to do like, like I knew him. Yeah. Um, and I said, you know, I'd really love to talk with you about the way the church understands women in ministry uh, and positions of leadership, because I just don't see that reflected. Literally not, not aware of any of this sort of egalitarian complementary yeah. like I, it just wasn't in my vocabulary yeah. just, because i wrote here's seeing... what i see i have a question yeah yeah um passed me off to another person to answer my question um and it wasn't a sufficient answer for me and so that that felt a little like that was one of the first disconnects for me um and actually at that point i started attending a methodist church i i left the church even though i was still doing university stuff left the church and, and found a methodist church um, and then the other one was as I was as I was sort of coming to terms with the fact that I needed to not go on staff, that that was that was the discernment process where my discernment had led me. Um, I remember very vividly they had we'd done the Myers-Briggs course um, and, and Enneagram, <laughs> right? So we all weren't taught. Right? Right. Right. I mean, and not, I mean, Enneagram's been around. Right. But, but as far as like popularity. Right. Right. Exactly. It was all the rage. So, right. Yeah. Um, and I just remember the you know, people sort of pressing me to say like, you know, I, I'm sort of 
uh, my P and my J were very close and they couldn't kind of feel They're like, what does it look like for you to make a decision? And I just remember that feeling, that feeling very, um, that, that felt a little like a door. Yeah. Like either, either you're, you're with us or you're not like, yeah. just make a decision. And, um, and that, that moment for me felt a little bit like a push. I mean, I don't, I don't know that that person who I was having that conversation with intended no, that at right, all. Right. But, but I do think that, that those were some of the things it was, it was, how do I, how do I sort of say to this place and this community that's been incredibly supportive yeah. of me and has, has equipped me and given me a lot of really important, um, formative processes or times in my life and in my faith and I've grown. Um, how do I tell them? No, I, I don't, I don't see myself. Like I, I don't see the gifts that I think I have to bring, yeah. um, being fully affirmed, being, um, being valued in a way yeah. that I feel like, I feel like God is, is trying to <laughs> use them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I think it was some of both. I think it started out with a lot of uh, inner work and then realizing when, when I knew who that person was, um, I think others did start to say, well, you got to make a decision. Yeah. Kind of like, a, yeah. It sounds like there was a, a bounded understanding to like, there's, there's some boundary here. And at yeah. some point you, yeah. Um, soccer, like the, 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 the soccer, the, the field lines are very wide. And if the ball is anywhere on it, it's in, and in like basketball is very narrow. And if it's on, it's automatically out, you know? And so it's like, yeah. understand where are the lines and how wide they are. And if you're on the line or you're in or out. So, yeah. 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 And it sounds to me like, um, I was envisioning as you were sharing all that, like, uh, you know, you, you're growing and you start to outgrow some of your clothing, but some, yeah. or some parts of your clothes, like, well, this, I really like. And I like the, the way this looks part of it, but the sleeves just are too short now, you know, it's like there. And so when I think sometimes we have this idea that's so black and white, like it either fits or it doesn't. But I think you're saying like, there's parts of this mm -hmm. experience of legible evangelicalism that, you know, still, still would fit, you know, but it's like, if I had to choose all or none, yeah. you know, kind of thing. And how do you sort out those pieces? I think that's a hard thing for folks, you know, and I've had to do the same uh, to some extent as well. And, you know, back to what do we even mean by this? But, um, you know, we've talked on, um, I'll talk in several other episodes of this podcast about this book called The Other Evangelicals. And you had the cover there, like you have it sitting there in your office. Yeah. And so, um, it, yeah, put it up there because I need to read what it says. So Other Evangelicals, a story of liberal, black, progressive, feminist, and gay Christians and the movement that pushed them out. And so you told me, you said you would have kind of described yourself, identified as liberal main line, but maybe now if you used, had to pick some of those things on the cover of the book, what would you say? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I would, I would say as my understanding of my sort of Wesley, Methodist, United you know, Methodist upbringing, yeah. I would have described most of that as kind of a liberal main line. Um, and, and I would have, you know, I, I think that that has to do with interpretations of scripture, right? So Wesleyans have, interpretations of scripture that uh make use of of reason scripture tradition and yeah, experience as quadrilateral exactly right? okay. yeah 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 
Um, so, so I, that's how I've been sort of taught and instructed. And so the whole idea of inerrancy was not like, not ever a part of the conversation for me yeah. growing up. Um, there's always been, um, the folks who have, who sort of taught me how to engage scripture, um, did so with a kind of, with, with some of this, the tools that evangelicalism kind of pushed back on, I yeah. think. Um, uh, and so uh, that's, that's sort of, that's why I would say sort of the liberal, liberal mainline. Um, I think as I've gotten older and particularly, um, coming out of my experience at the general board of church and society, um, my sense of my own faith life was, I I would, I would claim those progressive and feminist labels a lot more, um, that for me, it was the, the, progressive, you know, I, I want to, I want to see change, things change socially in such a way that other people have um, access and benefit to, you know, things like, like healthcare was, was one of the things that I, I invested um, my, um, my time and my thought processes into as a seminary student. Um, and then, you know, I think feminism for me has also been about not one over, but sort of yeah. what do we need to do f- to find some some sense of, of equity and a sense of appreciation for giftedness um, and and skill and calling. Um, and uh, so for me, um, when I did transfer to that United Methodist Church, um, the sermon that finally ended my snooze button um, was uh, was a the the pastor was um, preaching about Mary and Martha and was sort of on this rant you know on this on this trail and then paused and said you know I just feel like anybody who can read this passage and not see Jesus calling women into ministry like calling their whole selves into ministry I just I don't know how they can read this and not think that. Yeah. And then he like went back into the sermon and I, I, I heard that, like that, that sort of in-break yeah. <laughs> moment yeah. for me was um, in a lot of ways, a confirmation, right. That, that I did feel like God was calling my whole, my whole being yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. into, into the life of ministry and, and wanted, wanted that to be affirmed. And so, um, yeah. So I think for me, issues of, um, of, of feminism are, are about that, are about um, making sure that there is there is uh, space and opportunity for flourishing of that kind of giftedness. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're at, uh, you know, um, theological school at Drew University, which I would guess is an institution that would not use evangelical as a term and maybe probably try to distance itself as much as possible I know. We'll see if I still have a job yeah, now that I said. Yeah, it well, was. yeah. All five <laughs> listeners are probably not from Drew. Yeah. So, and if we have a six this week, welcome. I'm glad. Yeah. Um, I know we have a few more than that, but um, so, so, do you have these types of conversation? Like evangelicals in that legible evangelicalism are very concerned with conversations about evangelical. Like, you know what I mean? Are um, yeah, you say if you have a job, like, do you feel any tension saying that, like, in your environment? And what is, what is the evangelical, and I'm putting this in air quotes, that they are saying, no, we are not at all? Yeah. Um, so I think that while I, so I defined myself just a minute ago as, as progressive. Um, I think one of, 
one of the things that I constantly have to remind myself as somebody who holds that uh, identifier um, is that sometimes progressives are really good at saying what they're not. Like they're sort of like, you know, there, there's, there, um, so there's a lot of ways in which being at a more, uh, a more, um, at a school that has a more um, uh, broader sense of how we interpret scripture and how we understand kind of um, uh, folks work and, and sense of, of calling in the world and sacred worth. Um, I think, I think that it is sometimes, right. We want to just say like, oh, well, those are the, that evangelicalism cuts out and shuts down and pushes away. Mm-hmm. Right. And does harm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a, that that's something that we talk a lot about, mm-hmm. right. Does harm to folks who are trying to, you know, understand their, their belovedness. Um, And so I do think we're sort of, we want to sort of distance ourselves from um, uh, uh, labels that hold that kind of that harm or those, that that woundedness, right? Yeah. 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 And so, and so I think that that would be, that would be the big, the big thing is like, you know, at Drew, we're, we're not that like, you're welcome here. All are welcome in this place. Like that's, that's the sort of thing. And I think that um, I have, and, and the, I have some faculty colleagues who I've had this conversation with, and, and even in my, my, my MDiv and my PhD, uh, you know, students who are more conservative would come into a place like this and maybe not feel <laughs> quite as welcome, yeah, right? Yeah. Or we, there's, a, there's a sense in which, um, I mean, we, we want them to be welcome yeah. um, and we want them to think with us about how to be in conversation, how to stay at that table, um, be the long pew um, yeah. that we talk about in ATS schools. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that I think that that's that's some of what we try to um, to not be is we try to not be, you know, exclude excluding or or to do harm. And those are commitments that we have. We want to be a place where um, and I think this is a good thing. We want to be a place where everybody does feel that they can come and be welcomed and that their gifts will be embraced. Um, And I and I think, you know, even beyond that, that we we actually want to prioritize some of the voices that have been historically marginalized yeah. and um, folks that have, that do carry with them some, some of that, that harm and baggage. Um, and wounding. Yeah. A place yeah. Where they can, they can address that and find some, some healing. And so there's a prioritization of those voices and perspectives at a place like Drew that can be really jarring for folks who come from a place where the, the the evangelicalism of of their upbringing isn't the sort of primary and only um voice that they're hearing and experience that they're processing in that space yeah yeah you know you and i serve on the board of the um, demon educators that's why we have such a great time um but uh and even as we've done our annual conference and gathering at schools from all across the spectrum or we want it to be right but it has been largely uh, certain kind of a certain portion of that that spectrum, and and we've talked a little bit about um, you know some some folks come from uh, maybe more um, uh, liberal or progressive, and and they're going ah this is not you know whatever and and um, 
need to be more like, we need to be more this or the other say we need to be more this. What, what do we as, as Christians need to do to foster more conversation and does there, does there even need to be a line or what, like, how do you yeah. re-envision a new, a different way or conversation and sharedness? Oh, um, so I think, I mean, wouldn't, I, I wish I had the, the, the answer, the like nugget for that. No, I don't but know I, there is one I'm, I'm asking cause I'm going, well, you know, where are our little starting points? Well, you know, so I guess I would, I guess I'll reflect on kind of, um, so as, as a United Methodist, um, my denomination right now is experiencing, yes. um, a lot of division. And I think, uh, you know, issues of interpretation of scripture and um, how we understand um, other people's bodies and sexuality yeah. is is at the root of that. Um, and so for me, um, it's been incredibly painful um, to watch a church that I have have loved from childhood and seen through its very global expressions yeah. um, become so divided that we can't, we can't have those. Yeah. Like we, we just can't be church together. Yeah. It's become so clearly, um, you know, we just aren't, we don't, we don't hold there. There is a line, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, even within a uh, tradition that claims it's like a, a similar yeah. lineage. We, we've just that our quadrilateral has taken us in different directions. Yeah. Um, and, and both would say they're being faithful to Methodism or to the Met, the yeah. Wesleyan holiness tradition and understanding. Absolutely. Like you said, they're applying yeah. the same tools, completely different conclusions. Yeah. And so, so for me, I don't, I don't know that we can, I think there are always going to be lines. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, um, it, uh, you know, in my, in my work with the Methodist church at the, at the global scale, um, I, I would have people telling me like, I'm not doing like my progressive friends would tell me I'm not doing enough. And then I would get like conservative folks being like, you shouldn't be in charge of this committee because you clearly are out for this agenda. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, for me, I, I, I do tend to be that sort of like, I just want to, I would rather us have this conversation across difference, acknowledging that we are different and that we're going to, there's going to be different sort of expressions and manifestations of that, um, of that, that doesn't, that doesn't threaten me. (laughs) Um, uh, and, and it also, I think, um, you know, I mean, I think even for me in here at Drew, like we have a, um, you know, kind of an interreligious um, understanding of how to have those kind of dialogues yeah. and co- coalition building. And so like, it, it is, it feels like an unnecessary, like so many of us as Christians feel like, oh, well, we can be in conversation and coalition building with folks of other religions. But when we find another Christian yes. who is doing Christianity differently, that feels more divisive yeah. um in some in some ways i don't know that that's true of all like all christians would say that about coalition building yeah. across uh religion but but i know a lot who who would sure. um yeah. and so um yeah so I, I i think that there's always going to be difference yeah um and and i i guess i see that sort of um 
I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not threatened by that yeah. plurality. And in fact, I think, you know, I think one of the things I, I grieve most about what's going on in my church is that I can, um, you know, I can, I can be a part of this board with you and with some of our colleagues, folks who we probably have very little in common theologically, yeah. some of the folks who attend this meeting. Yeah. Um, and yet we're committed to, um, quality, uh, you know, doctoral programming for religious leaders to go to, to come and yeah. do peer learning and be fed and be sent out and do this kind of incredible work in the world. We're committed to that, even though we have very different approaches to it. Yeah. And so one of the things I, I grieve about sort of the expression of Methodism that we'll figure out, I guess, in April yeah. um, at our general conference. Hope, right. I mean, yeah, just what a mess. Yeah. I know, just, yeah. Um, but that's one of, I think that's one of the spaces, like seeing friends and colleagues in ministry absent from annual conference now, because they've, they've gone on to another yeah. sort of yeah. that because we, we just couldn't, we just couldn't, we weren't, I don't know. It just, that I grieve that. Yeah. I think that, I think that there are ways in which we can, we can do good work, be people of the good news yeah. and have, have different, have a different understanding, different take on that. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, that's probably one of the places where if there is a, a legible evangelicalism, um, the, the boundaries of which have become, I think that's why that might be what part of why some folks feel pushed out. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. because, because there's, there's ways in which they can't, they can't claim all of their, their short, their pants are too short. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah right, short. right. But, but they, um, they absolutely could be in conversation and it could be, you know, could be doing kingdom building work together yeah. across the grants. I mean, that, that's my, yeah. that's my take. I don't yeah. know if everybody is that. But. No, I agree. <laughs> what you used a word twice that I want to follow up. You talked to, you said you're not threatened by that. And I think threat, I mean, mm. I mean, there's so like, that's such a dominant thing of, um, well, it's, um, you're, you know, someone understanding like, it's it's threatening either my understanding or the whole the my whole the whole worldview that I think is the right worldview and I I think reducing threat level is probably so key to having mm -hmm. that conversation. What made it not threatening for you? Because I think we see folks who are we would say deconstructing. You know that's the term we're using, mm -hmm. and it feels so threatening because people are threatened. I mean, it feels threatening to people who want to enter into that space because people are threatened by the uncertainty and all. How do we reduce threat level and why was it not threatening for you or why is it not for you? Was mm -hmm. it, did it used to be? Um, I would say that for me, I think one swimming in some of these different spaces. Yeah. So having friends that, um, like having meaningful relationships with people who both family and friends yeah. through different chapters of my life who have a very different, um, you know, um, perspective and, and theological worldview than I do. Um, having, having been accepted in all of those spaces, I think has lowered the threat mm -hmm. for me. Um, I will say that the closest I felt to to threat has been in places where, right? I'm an ordained woman. Mm -hmm. um, I I I I teach. I preach in the pulpit. I teach 
teach men yeah. <laughs> in the seminary. Um, I, you know, I, I, um, I have had folks who tell me that that is not something I should be doing. Yeah. Um, my own sense of formation and uh, discernment about my own call has allowed, has given me sort of a space to process that yeah. as like, that's, that's their take. And yeah. it hasn't yeah. landed in such a way. I don't think that's, I don't think that's true of a lot of people yeah. for whom the church has said the way that you are is not okay. Yeah. And that's a different level of, of harm that I think yeah. when I talk about, I'm not threatened yeah. that that's a lot of like, because I've done this work, yeah. You know, and, 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 and I haven't been harmed yeah. in, in the same kind of way. Yeah. So I, I believe that, that, that there are, that there are things that are, um, there are stakes that are higher yeah. for people to sort of enter into some of those conversations across difference, yeah. their safety and their personhood feel, you know, on the line yeah. in a way that, um, as a, you know, cis white woman, yeah. I'm, I, I'm not. Yeah. Um, I enjoy I enjoy a sense of privilege in that regard, and so I think for me, I, that's how I would answer the question. And I also would not discount yeah. the feeling of of fear and and the threat that that do exist for others, which is part of why I try to yeah. be in that conversation and in those spaces. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. As you're talking, I have a um, a idea of percolating or formulating i'm curious what you think of it i'm wondering if part of the the lines or division is um that view of threat so so which is the greater threat personal mm -hmm. safety or like there's a sense of self that's being threatened um or mm -hmm. wholeness or is it ideological theological you know, eschatological, eschatological. Yeah. Yeah. All the, right. All the, all those, uh, uh, optical, you know, kind of thing. And so, um, I, I wonder, I feel like some folks, they would say, no, the greater threat is to like the integrity of scripture. And some would say, no, the greater threat is to someone's personhood. And so does that, am I, you think that's accurate or am I completely? I think, yeah, I think that, I think that's definitely a part of the puzzle. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think my sort of understanding of and theological um, way of talking about, I mean, you know, we, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not as systematic as some of my uh, Calvinist brothers and sisters yeah, yeah. in my, in my theological constructions. And so like, I, I think for, for some people, like having that system is it defines their Christian identity, yeah, right? Yeah. Like that system and it's close, it's closed. It's a closed system. Yeah. Like this, there it is. Yeah. Um, and, and I, um, so I think that folks who have not been able to step inside of that system and to hold all of the pieces of it that, that keep the system together. Yeah. Um, I think they've found, they've found ways to be faithful, to find expressions of, of, um, of their faith that where, where they can, can do that. And so I, I don't, I, and also as somebody who does faith formation, right. If you pull out that Jenga piece of somebody's yeah. <laughs> puzzle, like that, the kind of epistemological rupture that yeah. happens, yeah. it is, 
it's it can be terrifying or damaging or it can be absolutely liberate you know like those are kind of the moments that adult people who do adult learning yeah. kind of need right? you kind of you kind of need one of those pieces to fall out in order for people yeah. to sort of understand something differently right because yeah. until until as long as it's a system a closed system with all the pieces yeah. why why would i need to yeah it works it works and this is a jenga tower i mean even when we were playing jenga one person move and you're like i mean you feel anxiety just playing the game or at least i do i'm just like ah you know and and so that can be very threatening not knowing that could be the key to yeah to what you actually need is to dismantle the whole yeah the whole thing wow wow such good stuff to think about. Thank you for being conversation with record. I always love when we are able to chat. Um, I have a last yeah. question, not at all related to this. Before we hit record, we were talking about, uh, as we record this, it's um, uh, early November. So just had Halloween and you have two small girls and like the level of, I don't know about anxiety, but certainly energy and all that. But yeah. my question for you is first, I guess, did they go trick or treating? Okay. Oh yeah. What are you most likely to steal from their buckets? Oh, I mean, what have I already stolen? Sure. Yeah. What are, what are um, you doing there? Like, yeah. And do you have some payment system? Like I've heard parents say, you have to pay me this many of this thing because I took you trick or treating. So like, what are you doing with that? What are you doing? No, no. So our, so my kids are six and nine. Okay. Um, and so my, my nine-year-old stocked up on hundred grands. That was Ooh. her like go-to, yeah, which are, like she has plenty. So I will take some of those. Right. And, um, and then my six-year-old kept getting like Reese's cups, like to the point where like, and we, we, we now live in, um, uh, we're in a suburb here in, uh, Madison, uh, on the train to New York. And it's a fairly, there's some, some nice neighborhoods, like full, full, uh, candy bar. Oh, yeah. kind of I gotcha. Yeah. 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 So like, you know, my youngest would turn around with like a whole, like, re like the two cup Reese's right. things. She had like six of them. So I think I'll probably be stealing. So you're doing a service, them. right? But okay. But you would steal the chocolate more than like the Starburst or the. Oh, I, yes. Chocolate, 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 chocolate. I, when we, when we got married, my husband said um, he wanted like his idea of dessert has like fruit in it. Yeah. And I was like, it's not dessert if it doesn't have chocolate. So like. We ended up doing a black forest cake for our wedding oh, cake because we needed fruit and I needed chocolate. And that's how, that's how we started out our, <laughs> but yeah. So like chocolate is. That totally... was your unity candle. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We just like, yeah. 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 Okay. That's great. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks again yeah. for being on here. And I hope you and your family recover from your sugar crash. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Wait, I, I'm so glad it, we're recording on a Friday yeah. and I told I told you when we started that it feels like the longest week ever. Yeah. Like I woke up Wednesday morning after Halloween and thought for sure it was Saturday. Surely yeah. I had made it the weekend. But yes, so thank you. I hope we'll we'll rest some this weekend. That sounds so. great. Thanks, Meredith. Till next time. We'll see yeah. you. Appreciate it. Bye. Nice.